Hey guys, my name is Johnny Artavanis and this is Dial In. In this episode, we cover John chapter 19, verse 38 through John chapter 20, verse 10. These are the words of God. Let's view them as such and dial in. John chapter 19, verse 38 through John chapter 20, verse 10. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as in the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. In our previous episode, we witnessed the death of Jesus Christ. And one of my favorite passages in the Bible is 1 Peter 3.18, which says, Christ Jesus died once and for all, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. Jesus Christ, once and for all, bore the full measure of God's wrath for all of those who would ever believe. And God here maintains his justice by pouring out his judgment on his one and only Son. The reason being, why did Jesus do this? is as Peter details, to bring us to God. Jesus did not die just so that our sin would be removed. He goes even further so that we might be fully reconciled to God. Okay, so we pick up at verse 38 of chapter 19, and we saw previously that the Jews are getting nervous because it was the day of preparation. This just means that it was the day before the Sabbath, and not just any Sabbath, it was the Passover, which only comes once a year. And they know, the Jews know, that Deuteronomy 21 forbids them from having dead bodies hanging around on the Sabbath, so they want Jesus out of there. They wanted to make sure to keep God's law while killing the one who both wrote it and fulfilled it. In Isaiah 53, 9, speaking of Jesus, Isaiah the prophet writes, His grave was assigned to be with wicked men, but he was with a rich man in his death. Jesus was crucified with criminals. His grave was assigned with wicked men, but Jesus was with a rich man, it says, in his death. Now, the Romans would typically let a crucified individual just hang there and be eaten by birds, or they would throw the man, like roadkill, to die and fester on the side of the road as physical billboards to never mess with Rome. The Romans did not bury criminals, but in an amazing fulfillment of prophecy, we read in verse 38 of chapter 19, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews. So here's this guy. He's a secret 
secret disciple of Jesus Christ. He's afraid to publicly confess him, and he's rich. He's a member of the Jewish Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin, and this once cowardly man comes to Pilate and asks him if he can bury the body of Jesus. Verse 39 tells us that Joseph wasn't operating alone. I love this. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. Nicodemus, the one whom Jesus had told in John chapter 3 needed to be born again, is here taking Jesus off a cross, cleaning his body and wrapping and binding it with spices and linens. So at this point, Jesus is dead. He's not asleep. He's not faking it. He's dead. And the followers of Jesus Christ on that Friday night and all day Saturday are hiding and in fear and mourning the loss of Jesus. The one whom they had believed would bring a military and political revolution was dead and Jesus died willingly. In John 11, Jesus had told Martha at the resurrection of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Jesus had said in John chapter 14, verse 19, in a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. Jesus had promised that through his death and resurrection, he would provide resurrection life for those who would believe in him. This was continual throughout his ministry, and it isn't unique to the New Testament. The Old Testament also promised that the Messiah would rise. In Psalm 16, it says, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Isaiah 53 says that he, the Messiah, will be cut off, but he will be made alive and he will see his offspring and he will be eternally glorified and exalted. Now you and I need to understand that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just a feature of Christianity. It is the main event. It is the most important thing in the gospel. It is the most important thing in human history. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the point of redemption. The whole purpose of God in creating and redeeming his people is to raise them like himself so that they would be able to worship him forever. Jesus' resurrection provides proof of our own. Not only that, but the resurrection provides validation of Jesus' offering for sin. Because God was satisfied with the sacrifice Jesus offered on the cross, God raised him from the dead. Think about it. If God wasn't satisfied with Jesus' death, Jesus would have stayed dead. But Jesus said, it is finished. And God says, I am satisfied. The resurrection is the foundation of the gospel promise. So this passage is not just something that we should understand on an Easter Sunday. It's something that fuels our entire Christian hope. Now in chapter 20, Mary Magdalene went to go to the tomb early Sunday morning. She couldn't have gone there on Saturday because it was the Sabbath. But first thing Sunday morning, she goes to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. And when she gets there, There's no soldiers guarding it. There's no massive stone in front of the tomb. It's empty. So what does Mary do? Does she rejoice? No, that's not what happens. She runs to tell Peter and John that someone had stolen the body of Jesus. This is clear evidence 
that no one planned to steal the body of Jesus, and none of them expected a resurrection. So while Mary was running to find Peter and John, the other women arrive at the tomb, and Luke 24 tells us that when they go into the tomb, two angels suddenly appear to them and ask them this question, and I love this, why do you look for the dead among the living? Jesus is alive. Luke 24, 6. Remember, they say, how he told you that he had to be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. So Mary gets Peter and John and they run to the tomb and it's empty. The other women are gone at this point and the linens are lying there, the face cloth folded up. And in verse 8, then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, that's John, also went in. And when he saw it, the empty tomb, he believed. And it says there that they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Jesus had to rise from the dead. He didn't just die for us. He also rose for us so that you and I may also rise. And we're going to see this in our next passage as well. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory over death because Jesus himself did. Stay dialed in.